This CLC podcast is brought to you from Crossroads Life Church located in Harriston, Ontario. May this message from Paul Oxby bless and enrich your life. So Noah, we all kind of have an idea who Noah is. And I feel like we sometimes forget about Noah, don't we? We kind of relegate him to Sunday school. I teach the kids upstairs. We teach them about Noah. I feel like we missed a scripture somewhere that told us we're only allowed to talk about them to kids, right? Only a family living on a boat with a bunch of animals could speak to kids, right? Adults, that's above, we're so above that, right? We don't wanna hear about a family living on a boat with a bunch of animals, but kids love it, they eat it up. But no, I feel like we kind of forget about how important Noah is. Maybe it's because he was like, first thing off in the Bible, He's like, it's within the first six chapters we're introduced to Noah. And who knows, there's a whole lot of chapters after that that then we forget about Noah, right? So today, let's talk about Noah. We're going to um, turn to Genesis 6. Today, we're gonna read there. So if you have your Bible, uh, definitely turn there. If not, you can follow along on the screen. I'm gonna make it real easy. I thought I made it easy by starting at Genesis 6. You only have to flip through like five chapters before you find our text this morning. But I made it even easier by putting it up on the screen. So if you were tired from shoveling like I was, you can just relax and uh, we can get into the word this morning. But we all know who Noah, Noah was obedient servant of God, right? We kind of describe him as that. Um, he's most well known for uh, building the ark that saved his family and all the animals and before God destroyed the earth with his great judgment. Noah was a great, great, great man. And my title of my message today is Noah, Ordinary Man. Now you might think, Paul, what does that mean? Does that mean that Noah was an ordinary man? Or does that mean that he was no ordinary man? Is it the play on words? Which is it? I don't know. We're going to find out as we go along here. So uh, let's go Genesis 6, uh, verse 5 to 8. We're going to start with. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Yikes! That doesn't sound so good. Noah was not living in good times, was he? Let's just take note of how God describes the human condition at that part, at that point in time. He saw every person as evil all the time. Wow. The time of Noah, it was characterized by this great wickedness. Intermarriage, evil desires, corruption, and violence. God was grieved. He was so grieved that he had made mankind because they filled his heart with pain. And yes, Noah was included in all of these people. 
But let's look at verse eight there for a second, right at the end. It says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now notice it does not say that Noah earned God's favor. He didn't earn it. He found it. Noah did not begin as a righteous man. He began as a sinner amongst a world of some of the worst sinners of all time based on that description that we just read. His status with God was God's wonderful gift, not a result of Noah's good works. That sound familiar? He didn't earn it. He had found favor with God. The word favor there in this passage is the Hebrew word for grace, which is shen, C-H-E-N. And this is the first time that it actually appears in the Bible. And this word is used over and over again throughout the Bible in the teaching that salvation is by grace through faith alone. So Noah had found favor through grace alone. It was God's grace that allowed Noah to have that favor. It was that that set him apart. Throughout scripture and continuing to this very day, people are saved through the undeserved working of God. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 say, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Everyone was a sinner in Noah's day. Just like everyone is a sinner today. No one can earn God's favor. We can't earn that shen. God's grace is a free gift. Have you accepted that gift this morning. It's something that we have to accept. Noah had found that favor and he accepted it. It just wasn't given to him and he did nothing. He accepted it. If you remember anything from this, from this message this morning, I want you to remember this, that God works and saves undeserving sinners by grace through faith. That's why we are all here. Each and every one of us, we're here because of that. And it started with Noah. He started it. That's amazing. All right, now let's keep reading uh, through Genesis here. We're going to pick up on verse 9 now, right after I take a drink of water. I think I'm still dehydrated from shoveling. All right, verse 9, it says, This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. That's a hard one to say, Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. Again, God doubling down on how bad of a time it was. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, 
I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Let's just stop for a second and imagine God told you that. I'm going to destroy everybody. <laughs> can you imagine? I'd just be like, uh, I can look pretty clueless and out of it at times. I think I could top it if God told me that, right? So Noah's trusting obedience separated him from the others who refused God's gift of redemption and continued in their sins while he worked out of God's grace in response of righteousness. So here we see God's plan for judgment as a result of breaking a covenant. And at that point, they were living under the Adamic covenant, which was um, kind of put in place after Adam and Eve had been kicked out of the garden. Um, so just like there was judgment for when the Edenic covenant was broken, when Adam and Eve sinned, they had broken the Edenic covenant, they were judged and they were kicked out of the garden. Judgment was basically death and you get booted out of this awesome place that God had created for them. So then God created a new covenant with them. He kind of put them on um, parole, you could say, almost. He put them on probation. It's like they, they were start, human, mankind was starting a new job after they got kicked out of the garden and God wanted to see where they were at, how good they were with it. Well, their, uh, their probation time ended and clearly God was not too pleased with where uh, humankind had, had, had gone. <laughs> so uh, Cain and Abel were, had basically, after they were kicked out of the garden, had split the human race into kind of two streams of people. There was those people um, that came from, from Abel. They believed and obeyed God. They stemmed from Abel. You can read up on that in Genesis 5, which is the chapter right before where we started today. The second group were those who did not obey God. And that line of people kind of stemmed from Cain. Now, however, many of us know Cain ended up doing what to Abel? Yeah, he killed him. He murdered him. And that kind of led to this huge breakdown of kind of the human condition. That led to the corruption and all the wickedness and evilness that we see here when we get to Noah's time. So that probation time did not go well. So guess what? It was time for judgment. This judgment was death by a universal flood. But before God exercised that judgment, he needed a covenant man. And he chose Noah to be that covenant man. God chose Noah to start over with, and his lineage leads to Jesus, the ultimate chosen one, the ultimate covenant man. So just like Noah, we are chosen ones. We are chosen ones here this morning. Who's thankful that we are chosen by God? John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. God has chosen you here. If you're here this morning, God has chosen you. He's given you a purpose and a plan for your life. He wants you to bear fruit and prosper. That's a good thing. You are chosen. 
this morning. Let's get back to our scripture again here in Genesis. We're gonna pick up verse 14. So this is when uh, God starts giving Noah some direction. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. For those of you wondering, that's like five, it's over 500 feet long, 80 feet wide, and over 50 feet tall. So that's, that's, that's big, okay? So that's big. He says, make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you will enter the ark, you and your sons, and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Genesis, we're going to turn to seven now, verses one to five. It says, the Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found your, you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. Verse five, the important one says, and Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. So here we begin to see God direct Noah. God began to speak to Noah and give him commands to obey. So he informed Noah that he planned to end the wickedness on the earth by bringing a great flood that would wipe out everyone who was not on that ark. And he gave clear directions on how to build that ark, exactly what to do. He didn't leave any stone unturned. God let Noah know what exactly that he was supposed to do. God guided and directed Noah. God guides and directs us still today. Psalm 32 verse 8 says, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. God knows the best way for your life. He knows where to go. He will, he will guide you. He will show you the way. We just need to do what Noah did, which isn't always easy, mind you. Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. When we do all that God commands us, 
We're gonna be in the right places at the right time and God is going to move and work through us. He's gonna have us exactly where we need to be. God will guide and direct you. So in Genesis 8, we're gonna kind of skip forward to Genesis 8. The flood happens, basically, and all the details surrounding that, they're given in, uh, in Genesis 8. We're not gonna read it for time's sake, um, but basically what happens is the flood comes just as God promises, destroys the earth, and um, we're gonna kind of pick up right after when the land had dried up, when God said it was okay to, uh, to go back out onto the earth after he had destroyed everything and made everything new. So we're gonna start in Genesis 8, verse 15. It says, Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Notice he waited for God to tell him to come out. He didn't say, oh, it just looks great, let's go. He again was allowing God to guide and direct him. He said, bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his son's wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on land came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans. <coughs> Even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Well, good outlook we have there, eh? And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. Wow. Wow. So in chapter nine, which we're not gonna read either just for the sake of time too, God details this new covenant that he just established with, uh, with Noah. So God, Noah came out, he made a sacrifice to the Lord. First thing he did, he gave thanks. He came out and God entered into co a covenant with Noah. He was his covenant man, so they entered a new covenant that was intended for all the people of the earth. God promised again that he would never send a flood to destroy the earth, amen? He promised that seasons would continue by God's provision. And in this covenant, we see that God's answer to human sin would be a covenant of grace, beginning with Noah. The sign of the covenant was the rainbow to remind God's people of his promise to never flood the earth again. And through that covenant, God would bless, or God would restore, sorry, his intentions to bless his people. So he gave Noah a fresh start. God has given each and every one of us here a fresh start. He's offered a fresh start to each and every one of us. Is that not awesome? We've been given a fresh start, a new beginning. And Noah was the first to get that new beginning. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
Romans 6 verse 4 says, We were buried, therefore with him by baptism, into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So Noah got a fresh start. It was a result of a flood. We get our fresh start as a result of Jesus, whose family traces all the way back to Noah. We get that fresh start as a result of Jesus. Noah started it all back then. So you might notice we've gone through the story of Noah here kind of quickly. Um, it's hard to read like four chapters of scripture in one, in one service. So we kind of have to go through some of it pretty quickly. But you may have noticed we haven't really talked about Noah that much, have we? So let's just look back through those scriptures and we're going to kind of see what did Noah actually do here? What did Noah actually do? Well, the first thing that, that Noah did that we can kind of pick out from the scripture is that uh, Noah grieved God with his sin. Unfortunately, we've all been here and we all know what that's like. <laughs> we grieve God with our sin. God's not happy with our sin, but thankfully we have Jesus who paid the price of our sin. Second thing we can take away from that is that Noah was obedient. Now, if God told you that he was going to destroy mankind, would you just say, okay, yes, God? Or would you start to argue or intervene? <laughs> Imagine being told that you had to build this giant ark, this giant boat, it's like the third of a size of the biggest freighter ship on the earth. And you had to build that on your own. No power tools. I don't care how good you are at building stuff. That would be a daunting task. Don't you think you'd be like, uh, but God, but God, um, power drills have not been invented yet. How am I supposed to do that? That's going to take a lifetime. How many of us, God gave the exact dimensions of building that ark too. How many of us were like, well, it doesn't need three levels. I think two would be okay. Right? It doesn't need to be 500 feet long. I think 400 will be fine. Right? Noah had all the opportunity to, to go back to God and say, but God, but God, but he didn't. He just obeyed. He did everything that was commanded of him. So props to Noah for that. Third thing he did. Noah was patient. He endured and he kept his eyes on the task. Now just think about the times that he was living in. The world was a sinful, wicked God saw everyone as evil place. Sounds kind of like today, doesn't it? <laughs> a little bit. And God commands you to build this giant boat. All right? It took him a hundred years for him and his family to build that ark. So that's enduring. Don't you think? That's being patient. Meanwhile, while he's doing this, no power tools, everyone is probably like shaming him and making fun of him for building this giant boat because God told him to. 
he was maybe not even a good builder. He could be like me, right? He probably hit his thumb a thousand times with a hammer, but he endured. He was no Ryan or Ron Collins, but he endured. He kept going. Finally, the flood comes. He's probably like super relieved at this point. It's been like 120 years since God told him to build this ark. And finally, God speaks to him. Okay, get on the boat. He's like, yes, relief. No, no. Has anyone ever spent an entire weekend inside with your family? (laughs) Maybe it's a snowstorm or you're all sick. You're stuck in the house, your entire family. It's a lovely time, isn't it? After those two or three days, aren't you just on each other's nerves just a little bit? Yeah. Well, imagine Noah. Okay, Noah, he gets on this ark. They were on there a year. They were on there approximately a year from what Bible scholars can figure. Who would love to spend a year on a boat with their family? No one to talk to other than your family. No Facebook, social media. I don't know what they did to keep busy, but he endured, right? (laughs) So you're all thinking, this is terrible. This is like no luxury ship. Now, think of this. Imagine being on a ship with your family for a year that's filled with every animal possible that you can think of probably smells good, right? Your family hasn't showered in a year. Noah endured some things. He was patient. After those first 40 days and 40 nights when the rain stopped, I'd be like, see ya. Must be good now. I built this ark. I can build myself a little boat to go out on the water with until it all recedes and the land is fine. But no, he stayed. He was patient. He waited for God to tell him, okay, it's good, you can get off the boat. Wow! That's not ordinary. That is not ordinary at all. So Noah gets off the boat. Okay, this is the fourth thing that we can kind of notice that Noah did of of some real importance here. Is Noah gave thanks. It's the very first thing that he did after getting off of that ship. Now, if we'd been pent up on that ship for a year with our family and all those animals, we'd probably give thanks as well too, but it might, be, it might not be the way that Noah did it, right? That wasn't the reason why Noah gave thanks. Noah gave thanks because he was convicted of his sin. And he realized that he should have perished along with everybody else who perished. And he gave thanks to God for the atonement of his sin. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) As I read that, I'm like, whoa. We too need to be quick to repent and offer our thanks to God for what Jesus did for us on the cross, for the atonement of our sin. Now, there's one more thing in the story. We didn't actually read it. 
yet that, that Noah actually did that is mentioned in the story of Noah. After he gave thanks, they started on their, the covenant was established. God left them on their merry way to, uh, to start fresh, their new beginnings. Well, what did Noah do? Well, he had a vineyard and uh, he decided to get drunk. Noah sinned. Noah sinned. Pretty ordinary. Noah sinned. Thankfully, this sin didn't take God by surprise. He knew, like we read before, that sin is with us from childhood. He knew that he wasn't going to get rid of sin with the flood. But he knew that it was the start of his plan to atone for that sin. He just needed that covenant man, Noah, to start fresh and start the way, lead the way to Jesus. So just like us today, Noah then, all the amazing things he did, he still sinned. We still sin. But yet, guess what? We are God's covenant people. We are God's covenant people. We see the importance of Noah's life. And we can say that Noah was in fact, he was an ordinary man. But he had no ordinary faith. This faith allowed God to use him. Thus, he was no ordinary man. We too, ordinary people, sinners living in a wicked, wicked world. It doesn't sound all that different from Noah's story, does it? We're just ordinary people. But if we allow God to use us, if we have the faith to allow God to use us, we can be no ordinary people. Because we've been saved by grace through faith. We have been chosen specifically by God. God will guide and he will direct us. And we all have been given a fresh start. That concludes this CLC podcast. More podcasts can be found on our website at www.myclc.ca.